What's going on guys? Welcome to or welcome back to Consuming Crime. It's your host Jules here. Hello, it is another week, another sinister sinister Saturday as I like to call it. Before we get started, make sure you give the podcast five stars wherever you're listening as well as make sure you tell your friends about it, like us on Facebook, going for 400 likes on Facebook. Just got over 300 going for 400. 90% of you, a little over 90% of you are not subscribed to the YouTube channel. You watch the videos, but you're not subscribed. So make sure you give this video a like and subscribe to the channel. Turn on notifications if you like. And yeah. Other than that, if you'd like to become a supporter of the podcast, which is basically where you make a small donation of as little as 99 cents, you can go to consumingcrime.com, click the become a supporter button and then start supporting the podcast you don't really get anything from it but you do help sustain future episodes and i will give you a shout out on the next recorded episode after you become a supporter without further ado let's get into today's episode so we just finished up american detective featuring joe kenda today we are starting a new series on discovery plus called homicide hunter with joe kenda so joe kenda again i'm gonna start this new this new thing where I play the beginning preview with you guys and I'm gonna put it up in the corner up here I'm not sure how it's gonna gonna go because of copyright issues so if I'm not able to get away with posting just a small clip in the video then I'm gonna stop doing it but for today I am gonna go ahead and see how it goes on a cold winter night a young mother vanishes into thin air why would mom walk away from a little boy she didn't check in didn't call the babysitter a frantic search fails to yield any clues i was angry because they kept telling me well maybe she made up with some guy but as lieutenant kenda digs deeper he discovers a twisted tale of sex lies and deceit we don't know what happened and that eats at me this case like the the way that it ended blew my mind like a part of me kind of thought but i was like no i don't think so so let's go through that together again i'm not gonna reveal anything to you guys i'm just gonna read my italic notes and just kind of go through the episode again with you guys this episode is set on december 21st in 1991 in colorado springs colorado 26-year-old Robin Bragg goes into the station and she's terrified, she's scared, she's shaky, and she tells officers that her sister, 24-year-old Lorraine Laribo, was missing. Being interviewed now is Detective Tim Hogan. He's saying that she reported her sister had been missing for a few days, and my question immediately is, okay, she's been missing for a few days and you're just reporting that she's missing now, and why are you panicking? Kind of weird. The family had tried contacting friends of hers and no one knew where she was. Lorraine had a son and her not coming back for her son was concerning. This was the main reason why the family was thinking, okay, something definitely happened to her, like she didn't just go off, she's not going to leave her son. In the past, she had disappeared for a night, but never for days. Robin said that her boyfriend dropped Lorraine off at a bar and that was the last time anybody saw her. So we're going to talk to the boyfriend? And this was Robin's boyfriend, it looks like someone at the bar grab her does she go to the bar regularly like all these questions right officers weren't going to look into it just yet but the family's insistence that lorraine would never abandon her son is what made them look at the case and i in italics i was like okay seriously if somebody's concerned help them 
like even don't aren't you a cop for a reason like this pisses me off they're like we weren't gonna take it serious but you know because this is not like so because they bitched at you you're gonna take them serious that's bull i'm sorry but it is I hate when i cuss because i have to like bleep it out but it is what it is this case was then passed to lieutenant joe kenda head of the major crimes unit they find out that lorraine likes bars she likes to drink but she has a child so Let's not judge her. Let's not assume that she just went home with a guy, which is apparently in the preview what we saw the mother say that I guess officers were telling her like, oh, maybe she just went out with a guy. Like, no. Robin and Lorraine were hanging out at Lorraine's boyfriend's house, Jerome Harden. Robin's boyfriend was also there. His name was Anthony Phillip. Anthony would have been the guy that took Lorraine to the bar. Lorraine had taken her son to the sitters and wanted to go to a local bar, but nobody else wanted to go. Her boyfriend would not take her and others had work in the morning. They just didn't feel like going. Anthony, Robin's boyfriend, agreed to finally take her to the bar. And Jerome was talking to Anthony and told him that he was upset. He said, if she goes out, then we're done. So clearly he did not like that his girlfriend liked to go out. This was, like I said, the last time anyone saw her. After a day is when everybody was scared. Like I said before, she's not going to leave her son. Detectives measure what is most and least probable. Her running off with someone would be the least probable. Thank you guys for admitting that. They focus in on where she was last, which was downtown, where there were many bars and nightclubs. She wanted to go specifically to Bumper's Bar. This was a popular bar and there were huge crowds. Everyone there knew Lorraine. She was a regular and so was Anthony, Robin, and Jerome. They couldn't be specific on what night they saw her because she was there so frequently. So they couldn't specify i mean i guess my question is like security cameras maybe like do we even know she was dropped off the bar isn't able to help them much at least with getting answers lieutenant jokenda is really concerned because she's five foot five and 115 pounds he says the detectives don't think she could put up much of a fight okay like she could do mma we don't know her time is against them the more time passes the higher likelihood that she'll be found dead Unfortunately, as soon as someone's gone for more than 12 hours and you haven't heard from them, I would just assume that they were. I don't know. I mean, if somebody's kidnapped or if somebody has evil intent, either they're being tortured or they're dead. It's. I just feel like it's really rare that she wouldn't be. Lieutenant Joe Kenda makes this comment like, mommy's not coming back. Like, don't do that. Don't say that to me. Listen, I'm. we're all sensitive right now. No. They needed to do a background check on her to make sure she didn't leave on her own. They find out that she's a waitress at a local restaurant. She had lots of friends, she smiled a lot, danced a lot, and she had a beautiful son. The family is getting really upset with police. They keep telling her that maybe she went with some guy. Like, who's saying this? Because didn't we just agree that that was the least probable? And then you see a mother concerned at the police station and you're going to sit there and be like, she probably left some dude. Like, are we slut shaming her? If a family member is concerned, do your job. I said this earlier. I'm going to keep saying it. Lieutenant Joe Kenda makes another comment saying the family is just emotional. I understand that. They are wild. Sir, stop. Like, I think as a detective, you're probably going to get yelled at a lot because you're not giving people what they want immediately. So I can get that, but at the same time, like, you can't expect people to be calm in a situation like this. Her mother had a dream that she was dead. That is not the dream that you want to have as a parent when your child is missing. Days passed and there was nothing new. 
Her family distributes over 1,000 flyers around town. Robin and her boyfriend, Anthony, help out with this. Aren't we... Shouldn't you guys... Like, this... The beginning of this episode made me, like, crazy. Because shouldn't we be talking to the people that she last saw? Am I wrong? Or are they just, like, for drama purposes, not talking about it yet lieutenant jokenda extended the search to the entire el paso county which according to him is the size of rhode island they have canines and search dogs kind of feels like they're looking for a body now i mean enough time has passed oh look at this they turned to the last person to see her finally anthony phillips let's talk let's talk because you were the last one to see her you first of all we should have been talking to you a page ago like in my notes a page ago but I guess now we're barely talking to you. He tells them the same thing that Robin said. She wanted to go to the bar and nobody wanted to go. There was a minor dispute and then Anthony said, fine, I'll take you. Lorraine was pissed off, out of control, drunk, and she punched him in the shoulder. And then he's like, you know what? Forget it. Like, get out. Get out of my car. So he dropped off at the bar. I believe this. I just wonder why she was mad. Like, maybe because nobody wanted to go with her to the bar. I don't know. He says he watched her go to the bar and then he drove away, stopped to get some cigarettes, and then goes back to the apartment. Anthony told the rest of them what happened, they all laughed about it, and that was it. His story matches Robin's, and this checks out. Unless Robin, the sister, is lying to cover something up, this checks out. Robin calls Lieutenant Kenda, and she goes to him and she says, Hey, I want to talk to you about Lorraine's boyfriend, Jerome Harden. You didn't? Like, you didn't want to mention this when you first reported her missing? What the f- This whole- This case is weird. Like, maybe it's the way the documentary is telling it, but it seems like they're doing everything backwards. Am I wrong? Anyway, I mean, I feel like if I was reporting somebody missing, I would be like, hey, they're missing, and I think this person and this person might have something to do with it. Not, hey, this person's missing- a week later, oh, and by the way, I think this you should talk to this person and this person. That doesn't make sense. She said that these two were fighting a lot and Lorraine really likes him, but Robin did not think that the feelings were mutual. She didn't think that he liked her back. After Anthony dropped her off, he went back to the apartment around 11 p.m. They went home together and no one saw Jerome the rest of the night. A little weird. What was Jerome doing after that? Was he pissed that she went out? Did they call each other did he go off on her we don't know he has no alibi for the rest of the night on top of that according to robin jerome told her if lorraine is dead in a ditch somewhere she had it coming that's definitely something to look into they look into jerome's record and he did have prior criminal charges with weapons and harassment he's in the military now but is living off base at this time so they go to his home and he's not there the neighbors were thinking maybe he moved out. Why would he move out right now? The timing's off. Jerome was recently deployed to Fort Irwin, California, and this was planned way before the disappearance, so he didn't move because of her. But that doesn't mean he didn't do it. It just means that he didn't move because of this. Investigators go to California and talk to him. Jerome denies any involvement. They ask him what he said to Robin, and he said... They ask him about the comment that he made to Robin about if she ends up dead in a ditch somewhere. He says he never said that. He did want to break up with her and her disappearing solved that problem. Jerome's an ass. Like, <laughs> that's not nice. But this also makes me think that he didn't do it. Because why would he 
talk badly about her if she was dead or if he did something to her, you know? He could just be that dumb, but... Jerome's story matches Robin and Anthony's. After they went home, he went to bed and never saw her again. He said he never left the apartment, but he can't prove it, so now he's the prime suspect. It's a little over a month later, and a woman is jogging by a creek with a dog off the leash. We already know where this is going. The dog runs off, runs away from her, and she calls him. He's not answering her. She goes and finds her dog, and that is where she finds a human body. This was not far from Bumper's bar. A woman was found in between two pieces of cement. It looks like she had possibly fallen and she was there for a while. She was wearing only a shirt, a bra, no pants, no underwear. What she was wearing, though, matched the description of what Lorraine was wearing the night that she went missing. I'm kind of wondering, like, was she assaulted, possibly? The bruising was consistent with the fall and it looks like she might have been pushed. There were impacts on her face, something might have occurred before the fall, meaning maybe somebody hit her. They found a cigarette butt nearby and they collect it. Does it match what Anthony smokes? It doesn't. They find her pants and underwear and they figure out that these weren't ripped or anything so they don't think that they were forcefully taken off so they don't think that she was raped to which i have to argue and say like somebody could have had a gun to her head and she took them off herself like just because they're not ripped doesn't mean that she wasn't raped but in um the autopsy in the in when they end up doing it it doesn't look like um she was sexually assaulted this tells officers she might have known her killer Lieutenant Kenda is pretty sure there is a car involved. This is a remote area. People come out here to make out, to have private conversations. Someone must have driven out here for a reason. Lorraine's mother knew it was her when she saw the news of a body being found and it was a woman in her early 20s. The autopsy results come back and she had a ruptured spleen and liver. There was blunt force trauma to the side of the face as if she was punched, which is what they thought earlier. Everything else was consistent with a fall, but now they needed a positive ID because they couldn't figure out who she was otherwise. They call in a family member and her mother decides to go in an ID. This part like totally broke my heart. According to Lieutenant Joe Kenda, she screamed and she said, that's my baby. She said that she wanted to touch her hair, she wanted to hug her and tell her that she was there for her. Lieutenant Joe Kenda said it was hard for him to watch, and at this point, he is way more determined than he has ever been with this case. This goes from a missing persons case to a homicide case. Lieutenant Kenda believes that she knew the killer. It's two miles from bumpers. There's no way she walked. Something went wrong in the car. They got out. She was either pushed or she fell, and the person threw her clothes out. At least that's what he thinks. So I put in italics, why aren't we looking at Anthony? Like, that's like, that was my question, like, from the beginning of this case. Like, why aren't we looking at the person that saw her last? Like, is that not what we do with other cases, Lieutenant? Are you guys just trying to keep the mystery going? Because this fool knows something. Officers go to the funeral to see who's there, who isn't there, reactions, are people consistent? They see that the family was there and so was Anthony, but he wasn't looking at anyone and he was by himself. Despite this, Jerome is still the number one suspect. There's He, he didn't. I'm telling you, he can't be stupid enough to kill somebody and then say, oh, they disappeared. Like, that solves that. To police. Like, to their face. 
just not realistic. Jerome's apartment was close to the crime scene. Officers see him as jealous and not okay with her going out, and so that's their theory, that he was just pissed off that she went out and he killed her. He is sticking to his story. He said, I did not leave my apartment that night at all. All right, so let's go with the car theory. Whose car was she in? What if Anthony didn't drop her off? Maybe they're too interested in Jerome. They wanted to ask him the same questions to see if the answers matched the first time. They're looking for what they call the first lie. He says he drove Lorraine to the bar, but he forgot to mention that Jerome was arguing with Lorraine. Remember, he said that the first time. And he's like, I never said that. The officer must have written it down wrong. Okay, so there's the first lie. These inconsistencies are not enough to hold him or charge him, but it's definitely enough to give him a little, little hint of what direction they need to go in. There's no physical evidence either to lead to any specific one of these guys. They release Anthony because, I mean, they don't have a choice. They have two suspects and no proof. So who had the opportunity? They're trying to think a time frame. Who had the higher likelihood of killing Lorraine? Honestly, both of them because Anthony was with her last and Jerome could have called her, could have picked her up, you know? It, it could be either of them. Detectives look at the timeline again. They drive to Jerome's apartment, to the bar and back, round trip, 17 minutes. They did it 10 times and every time it took them 17 minutes. Okay, how long was the timeline that everybody gave them? Lorraine and Anthony were gone for over an hour. Like, what? Maybe I'm a, maybe I'm like that crazy girlfriend or something, but if I was Robin and my boyfriend was gone with my sister for over an hour and he's taking her down the street and he's like, oh, I just have to get cigarettes. No, 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 no. What the f*** were you doing? Like, immediately. The, like, no doubt. So I don't know why this wasn't mentioned. There's a 45 minute discrepancy that this time is not accounted for. And during that time, you know your sister went missing? Come on, dude. Unfortunately, this discrepancy is not hard evidence. They need a confession. And the Lieutenant Jokenda takes an interesting approach. He says that he needs to pin them against each other. This is really interesting, actually. Um, so, they ask them both for a polygraph. Jerome goes first. His story is consistent, doesn't know where she was, doesn't care where she is, where she was, and they believe he's being truthful. The polygraphist believed he was being honest as well. So he tells Jerome, the lieutenant, tells Jerome to wait until Anthony is done with his polygraph. He bombs it. One of the questions was, did you have anything to do with Lorraine's disappearance and the paper spiked? Officers asked both parties for DNA samples because Lieutenant Kenda believes that if you are guilty of a crime, your worst enemy is your brain. So they don't need DNA samples. They can't even use DNA samples, but he wants to get in their head as to why they possibly need it. If they had sex, wouldn't there be like, I, I swear, I will get through one episode where I don't say the F word, but like, wouldn't there be fluids in there? I guess they could have used protection. I'm just like picking my brain for any other ways they could link. They bring the men into the same room and they accuse them both. They basically say, one of you guys killed Lorraine. Jerome, again, he's consistent. He even yells at them, 
says, how dare you, you son of a bitch. I didn't kill anyone, blah, blah, blah. Just going off. And guess what? Anthony is sitting there and he's not saying anything. Officers look at Anthony and he tells him, you know, the worst of this is I believe Jerome. I believe him so much, I'm going to let him walk out. So Jerome gets up. Anthony gets up. Lieutenant Kenda's like, uh, where are you going? I didn't say you can go. I said Jerome can go. You need to stay. Your inconsistencies. Where were you for 45 minutes? You dropped her off, got cigarettes. There wasn't a line at the store. This doesn't take that long. Our detectives did this drive 10 times. 17 minutes every time. Weird, isn't it? Anthony breaks eye contact and he starts getting upset. His eyes fill with tears like boo-hoo, dude. He says, how much trouble am I in? We got him. But I have bad news. You guys aren't going to like this. Before we get there, though, let me finish up. Here's what happened. This is what Anthony said happened. He never dropped her off. They drove to a remote location to talk. Okay. Lorraine wanted to have sex with him. She takes her clothes off. She's drunk. She's being sloppy. And Anthony says, no, I can't. I'm with your sister. Okay. If you were really loyal to her sister, why did you even drive out to a remote location in the first place? If you know what goes on in that remote location. According to him, she was so pissed off about getting rejected. I hate when guys say that like women get mad at getting rejected. Listen, PSA to like men out there, and I might sound like a bitch right now, but we don't care if you reject us, okay? We don't. It's not that big of a deal to where we're like, how dare you, blah, blah, blah. We're not going to hit you because you tell us no. Just FYI, especially Lorraine was a very beautiful girl. She had a boyfriend. Like, she's not going to get crazy because you won't touch her. Like, sit down. I don't know if I'm going to keep that. I might just keep that in there so you guys can get a little bit of commentary in my personality, but just saying. It's not that serious. Anyway, so she's pissed off that he rejected her. They get out of the car and she's yelling at him and she punched him and then he punched her back in the face. That's where we get the, um, the marking from the autopsy. Next thing he knew, she fell over the edge and he looked over, saw she was dead, took her clothes, threw them, and drove away. Oh my god. That's what I get for talking. Oh my god, that scared me so bad. Okay, um, officers ask him, so you joined the search? And he's like, I don't know what else to do. Like, tell the truth, maybe? He is placed under arrest for manslaughter. He's convicted of manslaughter and he gets a max penalty. Get this. This is the bad news. He gets a max penalty of six years. He was released after serving only three and he's just out of prison now. That is what it is. I mean, Robin now is pissed off. She said, you know, you called my mom, mom. You helped us look for her and you knew where she was the entire time. But anyway, thank you guys for listening to today's episode. And make sure you give us five stars wherever you're listening. Become a supporter if you want to. That's basically where you donate as little as a dollar to help sustain future episodes. Um, go to consumingcrime.com. Click the become a supporter button. And yeah, that would just be awesome. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Continuing to tune into the podcast means the absolute world to me. And that's pretty much it. Thank you for consuming crime with me today. You will hear me next week. Bye.